Section 12 of The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirsten Nelson. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 3, by Robert Burton. Section 12. Partition 3, Section 2, Member 2, Subsection 3. Artificial Allurements of Love. Causes and provocations to lust, gestures, clothes, dower, etc. Natural beauty is a stronger lodestone of itself, as you have heard, a great temptation, and pierceth to the very heart. Forma veracunde, noquad mihi visa puele. But much more when those artificial enticements, and provocations of gestures, clothes, jewels, pigments, exornations, shall be annexed unto it, those other circumstances, opportunity of time and place shall concur, which of themselves alone were all sufficient, each one in particular to produce this effect. It is a question much controverted by some wise men, forma de bed plus artia naturae, whether natural or artificial objects be more powerful, but not decided. For my part, I am of opinion that though beauty itself be a great motive, and give an excellent lustre in sordibus, in beggary, as a jewel on a dunghill will shine and cast his rays, it cannot be suppressed, which Heliodorus feigns of Chariclea, though she were in beggar's weeds. Yet as it is used, artificial is of more force, and much to be preferred. Sic dentata sibi viditor aegla, empty sosibus intu cornu, sique nigrior escadante moro, sarusara sibi placet decores. So toothless aegle seems a pretty one, set out with new-bought teeth of indie bone so foul like chorus blacker than berry herself admires now finer than cherry john larius the burgundian chapter eight history of navigation in brazil is altogether on my side for whereas saith he at our coming to brazil we found both men and women naked as they were born without any covering so much as of their privities and could not be persuaded by our frenchmen that lived a year with them to wear any Many will think that our so long commerce with naked women must needs be a great provocation to lust, but he concludes otherwise, that their nakedness did much less entice them to lasciviousness than our women's clothes. And I dare boldly affirm, saith he, that those glittering attires, counterfeit colours, headgears, curled hairs, plaited coats, cloaks, gowns, costly stomachers, guarded and loose garments, and all those other accoutrements, wherewith our countrymen counterfeit a beauty, and so curiously set out themselves, cause more inconvenience in this kind than that barbarian homeliness, although they be no whit inferior unto them in beauty. I could evince the truth of this by many other arguments, but I appeal, saith he, to my companions at that present, which were all of the same mind. His countryman, Montague, in his essays, is of the same opinion, and so are many others, out of whose assertions thus much in brief we may conclude, the beauty is more beholden to art than nature, and stronger provocations proceed from outward ornaments than such as nature hath provided. It is true that those fair sparkling eyes, white neck, coral lips, turgent paps, rose-coloured cheeks, etc., of themselves are potent enticers. But when a comely, artificial, well-composed look, pleasing gesture, and affected carriage shall be added, it must needs be far more forcible than it was, when those curious needleworks, variety of colours, purest dyes, jewels, spangles, pendants, lawn, lace, tiffanies, fair and fine linen, embroideries, calamistrations, ointments, etc., shall be added, 
they will make the various dowdy otherwise a goddess when nature shall be furthered by art for it is not the eye of itself that enticeth to lust but an adulterous eye as peter terms it two two fourteen a wanton a rolling lascivious eye a wandering eye which isaiah taxeth three sixteen christ himself and the virgin mary had most beautiful eyes as amiable eyes as any persons saith baradius that ever lived but withal so modest so chaste that whosoever looked on them was freed from that passion of burning lust if we may believe gerson and bonaventure there was no such antidote against it as the virgin mary's face tis not the eye but carriage of it as they use it that causeth such effects when Pallas, Juno, Venus, were to win Paris's favour for the golden apple, as it is elegantly described in that pleasant interlude of Epaleus, Juno came with majesty upon the stage, Minerva gravity, but Venus dulce subordens constitute emienae, et gratissime gratice deum propitiantes, etc., came in smiling with her gracious graces and exquisite music as if she had danced, et nonequam saltara solus oculus, and which was the main matter of all she danced with her rolling eyes they were the brokers and harbingers of her suite so she makes her brags in a modern poet soon could i make my brow to tyrannize and force the world do homage to mine eyes the eye is a secret orator the first bod amoris porta and with private looks winking glances and smiles as so many dialogues they make up the match many times and understand one another's meanings before they come speak a word euryalus and lucretia were so mutually enamoured by the eye and prepared to give each other entertainment before ever they had conference he asked her good-will with his eyes she did suffragaggi and gave consent with pleasant look that thracian rodolph was so excellent at this dumb rhetoric that if she had but looked upon any one almost saith calasiris she would have bewitched him and he could not possibly escape it for as salvianus observes the eyes are the windows of our souls by which as so many channels all dishonest concupiscence gets into our hearts they reveal our thoughts and as they say frons animi index but the eye of the countenance quid proco cabis intuera ocellis etc i may say the same of smiling gait nakedness of parts plausible gestures etc to laugh is the proper passion of a man an ordinary thing to smile but those counterfeit composed affected artificial and reciprocal those counter smiles are the dumb shows and prognostics of greater matters which they most part use to inveigle and deceive though many fond lovers again are so frequently mistaken and led into a fool's paradise for if they see but a fair maid laugh or show a pleasant countenance use some gracious words or gestures they apply it all to themselves as done in their favour sure she loves them she is willing coming etc stultus quando videt quod pulcra puella ridet tum fatus credit si quod amare velit when a fool sees a fair maid for to smile he thinks she loves him tis but to beguile they make an art of it as the poet telleth us quies credat discunt etiam ridere puelle quaritur atque ilis hac quo quo parte decor who can believe to laugh maids make an art and seek a pleasant grace to that same part and tis as great an enticement as any of the rest subrisit mole puella cortibi rite salit she makes thine heart leap with a pleasing gentle smile of hers 
dulce ridentum lalagenum abo, dulce loquentum. I love Lalage as much for smiling as for discoursing, delectata ele risit tam blandum, as he said in Petronius of his mistress, being well pleased, she gave so sweet a smile. It won Ismenius as he confesseth, Ismene subrisit amatorium, Ismene smiled so lovingly the second time I saw her, that I could not choose but admire her, and Gala's sweet smile quite overcame Faustus the shepherd. Me aspiciens moiles blande subrisit ocellis. All other gestures of the body will enforce as much. Daphnis in Lucian was a poor tattered wench when I knew her first, said Corbeil, panoso ad zacera. But now she is a stately piece indeed, hath her maids to attend her, brave attires, money in her purse, etc., and will you know how this came to pass? By setting out herself after the best fashion, by her pleasant carriage, affability, sweet smiling upon all, etc. Many women dote upon a man for his compliment only, and good behaviour they are one in an instant, too credulous to believe that every light wanton suitor, who sees or makes love to them is instantly enamoured, he certainly dotes on, admires them, will surely marry, when as he means nothing less, tis his ordinary carriage in all such companies. So both delude each other by such outward shows, and amongst the rest an upright, a comely grace, courtesies, gentle salutations, cringes, a mincing gait, a decent and an affected pace, are most powerful enticers, in which the prophet Isaiah, a courtier himself, and a great observer, objected to the daughters of Zion, 316, they minced as they went, and made a tinkling with their feet. To say the truth, what can they not effect by such means? Whilst nature decks them in their best attires, of youth and beauty which the world admires. Urit, voce, manu, gressu, pectore, fronte, oculus. When art shall be annexed to beauty, when wiles and guiles shall concur, for to speak as it is, love is a kind of leisure domain, mere juggling, a fascination. When they show their fair hand, fine foot and leg withal, magnum sui desiderum nobis relinquunt, saith Balsazar, Castilio, Book One, they set us a longing, and so when they pull up their petticoats and outward garments, as usually they do, to show their fine stockings, and those of purest silken dye, gold fringes, laces, embroiderings, it shall go hard, but when they go to church or to any other place, all shall be seen. "'Tis but a spring to catch woodcocks. "'And as Christostem telleth them downright, "'though they say nothing with their mouths, "'they speak in their gait, they speak with their eyes, "'they speak in the carriage of their bodies. "'And what shall we say otherwise "'of that bearing of their necks, shoulders, "'naked breasts, arms, and wrists? "'To what end are they but only to tempt men to lust? "'Nam quid lactiola sinus et ipsas, "'pretefer sine lintio papias, Hoc est dicere, posque, posque trado, hoc est ad venerum vocare amantes. There needs no more, as Fredericus Matanasius well observes, but a crier to go before them so dressed, to bid us look out, a trumpet to sound, or for defect a sow-gelder to blow. Look out and look and see what object this may be, that doth perstring mine eye. A gallant lady goes, in rich and gaudy clothes, but whither away God knows. Look out, etc., et quae sequuntur. Or to what end and purpose? But to leave all these fantastical raptures, I'll prosecute my intended theme. Nakedness, as I have said, is an odious thing of itself, remedorium amoris. 
yet it may be so used in part and at set times that there can be no such enticement as it is nec mihi cincta diana placet nec nuda cithere illa voluptatis nil habit haec nimium david so espied bathsheba the elder susanna apelles was enamoured with campaspe when he was to paint her naked tiberius in suetonius chapter forty two supped with cestius gallus an old lecher libidino sosene e lege et nudie puele administrarent some say as much of nero and pontus huter of carolax pugnax amongst the babylonians it was the custom of some lascivious queens to dance frisking in that fashion saith courteous book five and sardis book one writes of others to that effect the tuscans at some set banquets had naked women to attend upon them which leonicus de veria historiae book three chapter ninety six confirms of such other body nations nero would have filthy pictures still hanging in his chamber which is too commonly used in our times and heliogabalus etiam coram agentes ut ad venerem insaterent so things may be abused a servant-maid in aristonatus spied her master and mistress through the keyhole merrily disposed upon the sight she fell in love with her master antoninus caracalla observed his mother-in-law with her breasts amorously laid open he was so much moved that he said ah si liseret oh that i might which she by chance overhearing replied as impudently quicquid libid licet thou mayst do what thou wilt and upon that temptation he married her this object was not in cause not the thing itself but that unseemly indecent carriage of it when you have all done veniunt aveste sagite the greatest provocations of lust are from our apparel god makes they say man shapes and there is no motive like unto it which doth even beauty beautify and most bewitch a wretched eye a filthy knave a deformed queen a crooked carcass a mockin a witch a rotten post a hedge-stake may be so set up and tricked out that it shall make as fair a show as much enamour as the rest many a silly fellow is so taken primum luxuria acupiam one calls it the first snare of lust bossus acupium animarum lethalem arundinum a fatal reed the greatest bod forte lenosinimum sanguineasis lacrimis deplorandum saith matinesius and with tears of blood to be deplored not that comeliness of clothes is therefore to be condemned and those usual ornaments there is a decency and decorum in this as well as in other things fit to be used becoming several persons and befitting their estates he is only fantastical that is not in fashion and like an old image in arras hangings when a manner of attire is generally received but when they are so new-fangled so unstayed so prodigious in the retires beyond their means and fortunes unbefitting their age place quality condition what should we otherwise think of them why do they adorn themselves with so many colours of herbs fictitious flowers curious needleworks quaint devices sweet-smelling odours with those inestimable riches of precious stones pearls rubies diamonds emeralds etc why do they crown themselves with gold and silver use coronets and tires of several fashions deck themselves with pendants bracelets earrings chains girdles rings pins spangles embroideries shadows ribatoes versicolor ribbons 
why do they make such glorious shows with their scarves feathers fans masks furs laces tiffanies ruffs falls calls cuffs damasks velvets tinsels cloth of gold silver tissue with colours of heaven stars planets the strength of metals stones odours flowers birds beasts fishes and whatsoever africa asia america sea land art and industry of man can afford why do they use and covet such novelty of inventions such new-fangled tires and spend such inestimable sums on them to what end are those crisped false hairs painted faces as the satirist observes such a composed gait not a step awry why are they like so many sybarites or nero's popea ahasuerus's concubines so costly so long addressing as caesar was marshalling his army or a hawk in pruning dum moliantur dum comuntur anus est a gardener takes not so much delight and pains in his garden a horseman to dress his horse scour his armour a mariner about his ship a merchant his shop and shop-book as they do about their faces and all those other parts such setting up with corks straightening with whalebones why is it but as a daynet catches larks to make young men stoop unto them philocarus a gallant in aristoneatus advised his friend polyaneus to take heed of such enticements for it was the sweet sound and motion of his mistress's spangles and bracelets the smell of her ointments that captivated him first la fuit mentis prima ruane mei quid sibi vult pixidem turba saith lucian to what use are pins pots glasses ointments irons combs bodkins setting-sticks why bestow they all their patrimonies and husbands yearly revenues on such fooleries bina patrimonia singulus aribus why use they dragons wasps snakes for chains enamelled jewels on their necks ears dignum potius forat ferro manus istes religeri atque utina monilia vere draconis essent they had more need some of them be tied in bedlam with iron chains have a whip for a fan and hair-claws next to their skins and instead of wrought smocks have their cheeks stigmatized with a hot iron i say some of our jezebels instead of painting if they were well served but why is all this labour and all this cost preparation riding running far-fetched and dear-bought stuff because forsooth they would be fair and fine and where nature is defective supply it by art sanguine quae vero non rubit arte rubit ovid and to that purpose they anoint and paint their faces to make helen of hecuba parvemque exortamque puellum europen to this intent they crush in their feet and bodies hurt and crucify themselves sometimes in lax clothes a hundred yards i think in a gown a sleeve and sometimes again so close ut nudos experiment artos now long tails and trains and then short up down high low thick thin etc now little or no bands then as big as cartwheels now loose bodies then great farthingales and close girt etc why is all this but with the war and the proverbs to intoxicate some or other oculorum decupulum one therefore calls it and indicem libidinus the trap of lust and sure token as an ivy-bush is to a tavern quod pulcrus glicere sumas de pixid vultis quod tibi composite nic sine lege come quod nitia digitis adamas berulus in are nun sum divinas sed scio quid cupius o glicere and that you paint so much your hair is so bedecked in order such 
with rings on fingers, bracelets in your ear, although no prophet till I can, I fear. To be admired, to be gazed on, to circumvent some novice, as many times they do, that instead of a lady he loves a cap and a feather, instead of a maid that should have verum corlum, corpus solidum et suci plenum, as Cheria describes his mistress in the poet, a painted face, a rough band, fair and fine linen, a coronet, a flower, nature quae putat quod fuit artificis, a wrought waistcoat he dotes on, or a pied petticoat, a pure dye instead of a proper woman. For generally, as with rich-furred conies, their cases are far better than their bodies, and like the bark of a cinnamon tree, which is dearer than the whole bulk, their outward accoutrements are far more precious than their inward endowments. Tis too commonly so. Alpha rimer cultu e gemis aroque teguntar, omnia pars minima est ipsa puella sui. With gold and jewels all is covered, and with a strange tire we are one, while she's the least part of herself, and with such baubles quite undone. Why do they keep in so long together, a whole winter sometimes, and will not be seen but by torch or candlelight, and come abroad with all the preparation may be, when they have no business, but only to show themselves? Spectatum veniunt, veniunt spectentur ut ipsae. For what is beauty if it be not seen? Or what is to be seen if not admired, and though admired and less in love desired? Why do they go with such counterfeit gait, which Philo Judius reprehends them for, and use, I say it again, such gestures, apish, ridiculous, indecent attires, sybaritical tricks, fucos genus, pupurisam venis, serusam frunti, legis oculis, etc., use those sweet perfumes, powders, and ointments in public, flock to hear sermons so frequent, is it for devotion? Or rather, as Basil tells them, to meet their sweethearts and see fashions. For, as he saith, commonly they come so provided to that place, with such curious compliments, with such gestures and tires, as if they should go to a dancing-school, a stage-play, or body-house, fitter than a church. When such a she-priest comes her mass to say, twenty to one they all forget to pray. They make those holy temples, consecrated to godly martyrs and religious uses, the shops of impudence, dens of wars and thieves, and little better than brothel-houses. When we shall see these things daily done, their husbands bankrupts, if not carnutos, their wives light housewives, daughters dishonest, and hear of such dissolute acts as daily we do, how should we think otherwise? What is their end but to deceive and inveigle young men? As tow takes fire, such enticing objects produce their effect, but how can it be altered? When Venus stood before Anchises, as Homer feigns in one of his hymns, in her costly robes he was instantly taken. Cumante ipsum starat jovis filia videns eam, Anchises admirabatur formam et stupendis vestes, erat enim intutat peplo, igneus redies splendiadore, habibat coque torques fulgidos, flexilis helices, tenerum colium ambibent monilia pulcra, aurea verigata. When Venus stood before Anchises first, he was amazed to see her in her tires, for she had on a hood as red as fire, and glittering chains and ivy-twisted spires, about her tender neck were costly brooches, and necklaces of gold, enameled ouches. So when Medea came in presence of Jason first, attended by her nymphs and ladies, she is described by Apollonius. 
cumptas vero ignis instar sequibator splendor tantum ad orias fimbris resplendabat jubar axanditque in oculis dulce desiriverum a lustre followed them like flaming fire and from their golden borders came such beams which in his eyes provoked a sweet desire such a relation we have in plutarch when the queens came and offered themselves to antony with diverse presents and enticing ornaments asiatic allurements with such wonderful joy and festivity they did so inveigle the romans that no man could contain himself always turned to delight and pleasure the women transformed themselves to bacchus shapes the men children to satyrs and pans but antony himself was quite besotted with cleopatra's sweet speeches philters beauty pleasing tires for when she sailed along the river Sidnus, with such incredible pomp in a gilded ship, herself dressed like Venus, her maids like the Graces, her pages like so many Cupids, Antony was amazed and rapt beyond himself. Heliodorus, Book One, brings in Damanita, stepmother to Snemon, whom she saw in his scarves, rings, robes, and coronet, quite mad for the love of him. It was Judas Pantofles that ravished the eyes of Holofernes, and Cardan is not ashamed to confess that seeing his wife the first time all in white, he did admire and instantly love her. If these outward ornaments were not of such force, why doth Naomi give Ruth counsel how to please Boaz, and Judith, seeking to captivate Holofernes, washed and anointed herself with sweet ointments, dressed her hair, and put on costly attires? The riot in this kind hath been excessive in times past. No man almost came abroad but curled and anointed. Et matutino suadans crispinas amomo, quantum vix redolent duo funera. One spent as much as two funerals at once, and with perfumed hairs, et rosa canus odorata capillos assyriaca nardo. What strange thing doth Suetonius relate in this matter of Caligula's riot? And Pliny, book twelve and thirteen, read more in Dioscoroides, Ulmus, Arnaldos, Randolitius de fuco e decoratione, for it is now an art as it was of old, so Seneca records, officiene sunt adres coquentium. Women are bad and men worse, no difference at all between their and our times. Good manners, as Seneca complains, are extinct with wantonness. In tricking up themselves men go beyond women. They wear harlots' colors, and do not walk, but jet and dance, hic mulier hic vir, more like players, butterflies, baboons, apes, antics, than men. So ridiculous, moreover, we are in our attires, and for costs so excessive, that as Hierome said of old, Uno filio vilerum insunt pretia, uno lino decius sestertium insiritur. Tis an ordinary thing to put a thousand oaks and a hundred oxen into a suit of apparel, to wear a whole manner on his back what with shoe-ties hangers points caps and feathers scarves bands curls etc in a short space their whole patrimonies are consumed heliogabalus is taxed by lampridius and admired in his age for wearing jewels in his shoes a common thing in our times not for emperors and princes but almost for serving-men and tailors all the flowers stars constellations gold and precious stones do condescend to set out their shoes to repress the luxury of these roman matrons there was lex valeria and opia and a cato to contradict but no laws will serve to repress the pride and insolency of our days the prodigious riot in this kind lucullus's wardrobe is put down by our ordinary citizens and a cobbler's wife in venice a courtesan in florence is no whit inferior to a queen if our geographers say true 
and why is all this? Why do they glory in their jewels, as he saith, or exult and triumph in the beauty of clothes? Why is all this cost? To incite men the sooner to burning lust. They pretend decency and ornament, but let them take heed, that while they set out their bodies they do not damn their souls. Tis Bernard's counsel. Shine in jewels, stink in conditions, have purple robes and a torn conscience. Let them take heed of his eye's prophecy, that their slippers and attires be not taken from them. Sweet balls, bracelets, earrings, veils, wimples, crisping pins, glasses, fine linen, hoods, lawns, and sweet savours, they become not bald, burned, and stink upon a sudden. And let maids beware, as Cyprian adviseth, that while they wander too loosely abroad, they lose not their virginities, and like Egyptian temples seem fair without, but prove rotten carcasses within. How much better were it for them to follow that good counsel of Tertullian, to have their eyes painted with chastity, the word of God inserted into their ears, Christ's yoke tied to the hair, to subject themselves to their husbands. If they would do so, they should be comely enough, clothe themselves with the silk of sanctity, damask of demotion, purple of piety and chastity, and so painted they shall have God himself to be a suitor. Let wars and queens prank themselves up, let them paint their faces with minion and ceruse, they are but fuels of lust and signs of a corrupt soul. If ye be good, honest, virtuous, and religious matrons, let sobriety, modesty, and chastity be your honour, and God himself your love and desire. Mulia rector olet, ubi nihil olet. Then a woman smells best, when she hath no perfume at all. No crown, chain, or jewel, Guivera adds, is such an ornament to a virgin, or virtuous woman, quam virgini pudor, as chastity is. More credit in a wise man's eye and judgment they get by their plainness, and seem fairer than they that are set out with baubles, as a butcher's meat is with pricks puffed up, and adored like so many jays with variety of colours. It is reported of Cornelia, that virtuous Roman lady, great Scipio's daughter, Titus Sempronius's wife, and the mother of the Gracchi, that being by chance in company with a companion, a strange gentlewoman, some light housewife belike that was dressed like a May lady, and as most of our gentlewomen are, was more solicitous of her head-tire than of her health, that spent her time between a comb and a glass, and had rather be fair than honest, as Cato said, and have the commonwealth term topsy-turvy than her tires marred, and she did not but brag of her fine robes and jewels, and provoke the Roman matron to show hers. Cornelia kept her in talk till her children came from school, and these, said she, are my jewels, and so deluded and put off a proud, vain, fantastical housewife. How much better were it for our matrons to do as she did, to go civilly and decently. Honeste mulieris instar quae ututur aro pro io quod est, ad ea tantum quibus opus est, to use gold as it is gold, and for that use it serves, and when they need it, than to consume it in riot, beggar their husbands, prostitute themselves, inveigle others, and peradventure damn their own souls. How much more would it be for their honour and credit? Thus doing, as Hiram said of Blasilla, Furius did not so triumph over the Gauls, Papirius of the Samnites, Scipio of Numantia, as she did by her temperance, Pula Semper Veste, etc. They should insult and domineer over lust, folly, vainglory, all such ordinate, furious, and unruly passions. But I am over-tedious, I confess, and whilst I stand gaping over fine clothes, there is another great allurement, in the world's eyes at least, which I'd like to have stolen out of sight, and that is money. Venient adote sagite, money makes the match. Monon agregam blepausen. Tis like sauce to their meat, 
cum carne condimentum, a good dowry with a wife. Many men, if they do hear but of a great portion, a rich heir, are more mad than if they had all the beauteous ornaments, and those good parts art and nature can afford. They care not for honesty, bringing up, birth, beauty, person, but for money. Canis et ecos, o cirn, quaerimus, nobilis, et e bona progeni, malam vera uxorem, malice patris filium, ducere non curat virbonus, modo ei magnum dotem afferat. Our dogs and horses, still from the best breed, we carefully seek, and well may they speed. But for our wives, so they prove wealthy, fair or foul, we care not what they be. If she be rich, then she is fair, fine, absolute, and perfect. Then they burn like fire, they love her dearly, like pig and pie, and are ready to hang themselves if they may not have her. Nothing so familiar in these days as for a young man to marry an old wife, as they say, for a piece of gold. Asinum oro onustum. And though she be an old crone, and have never a tooth in her head, neither good conditions, nor a good face, a natural fool, but only rich, she shall have twenty young gallants to be suitors in an instant. As she said in Suetonius, non me, sed mea ambient, tis not for her sake, but for her lands or money, and an excellent match it were, as he added, if she were away. So on the other side, many a young lovely maid will cast away herself upon an old, doting, decrepit dizzard. Bis pur effioto quamvis balbutiet ore, prima legit rere tam culte roseta puele, that is rheumatic and gouty, hath some twenty diseases, perhaps but one eye, one leg, never a nose, no hair on his head, wit in his brains, nor honesty, if he have land or money, she will have him before other suitors, dumodo sedives barbarous ili placet. If he be rich, he is the man, a fine man and a proper man. She will go to Jacatris or Tidore with him, Galesimus de Monte Orio, Sir Giles Goosecap, Sir Amorous La Foule, shall have her. And as Philemasium in Aristanius told Emusus, Absque Argento Omnia Vana, hang him that hath no money, tis to no purpose to talk of marriage without means, trouble me not with such motions, let others do as they will, I'll be sure to have one shall maintain me fine and brave. Most are of her mind, Diborumus ultime fiat questio, for his conditions, she shall inquire after them another time, or when all is done, the match made, and everybody gone home. Lucian's Lycia was a proper young maid, and had many fine gentlemen to her suitors, Ethicles, a senator's son, Melissus, a merchant, etc., but she forsook them all for one Passius, a bare, hirsute, bald-pated knave, but why was it? His father lately died and left him sole heir of his goods and lands. This is not amongst your dust-worms alone, poor snakes that will prostitute their souls for money, but with this bait you may catch our most potent, puissant, and illustrious princes. That proud, upstart, domineering Bishop of Eli, in the time of Richard I, Viceroy in his absence, as Newburgensis relates it, to fortify himself and maintain his greatness, propinquarum suarum cunubus, plurimus sibi potentes et nobilis devincire curavit, married his poor kinswoman, which came forth of Normandy by droves, to the chiefest nobles of the land, and they were glad to accept of such matches, fair or foul, for themselves, their sons, nephews, etc. Et quis tam preclerum, afflina tem, subspe magne promotionis non apteret. Who would not have done as much for money and preferment, as mine author adds? 
Vortiger, king of Britain, married Rowena, the daughter of Hengist, the Saxon prince, his mortal enemy, but wherefore? She had Kent for her dowry. Iagello, the great duke of Lithuania, 1386, was mightily enamoured on Hedenga, insomuch that he turned Christian from a pagan, and was baptized himself by the name of Uladislas, and all his subjects for her sake. But why was it? She was daughter and heir of Poland, and his desire was to have both kingdoms incorporated into one. Charles the Great was an earnest suitor to Irene the Empress, but saith Zonaris, O Brengnum, to annex the empire of the East to that of the West. Yet what is the event of all such matches, that are so made for money, goods, by deceit, or for burning lust, quos fode libido conjunxit, what follows? They are almost mad at first, but tis a mere flash. As chaff and straw soon fired, burn vehemently for a while, yet out in a moment, so were all such matches made by those allurements of burning lust, where there is no respect of honesty, parentage, virtue, religion, education, and the like, they are extinguished in an instant, and instead of love come hate, for joy, repentance, and desperation itself. Franciscus Barbarus, in his first book, The Re Uxoria, Chapter 5, hath a story of one Philip of Padua that fell in love with a common war, and was now ready to run mad for her. His father, having no more sons, let him enjoy her, but after a few days the young man began to loathe, could not so much as endure the sight of her, and from one madness fell into another. Such event commonly have all these lovers, and he that so marries, or for such respects, let them look for no better success than Menelaus had with Helen, Vulcan with Venus, Theseus with Phaedra, Minos with Pasiphae, and Claudius with Messalina. Shame, sorrow, misery, melancholy, discontent. End of section 12. Recording by Kirsten Nelson, Toronto.